Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck, the show that helps you change the way you lead. This week we're looking at mission in the community by talking to Archie Coates, Vicar of St Peter's Brighton. Archie went to St Peter's Brighton in 2009 to lead the HTB church planting team, and so we'll be looking at how things have progressed under God since that time. Also in the studio is Rob Stevens on the pastoral team at Bookham Baptist and looking at local mission as part of his sabbatical, and he has helped uh, form some of the questions. So Archie, welcome. Thank leadership for and good to, good to have Rob as well in in the uh, in the room so hi Rob good to be here um, so tell us a bit about your, your background and involvement in mission ministry and how you became ordained and all that sort of stuff uh, okay I um, was ordained in 2000 and uh, did a curacy uh, actually I wasn't one of those people who particularly thought I'd go into church leadership I, after uni I went uh, into sales and marketing but um, God sort of had other plans I went long story um, and then after I'd done a curacy um, Sandy Miller who was the vicar at HTB at the time asked whether we might move to HTB with a view to church plant and so we went there initially just for the idea to be there for a year okay. um, and the end up being there six years oh, wow. and I was um, the associate vicar with Nikki Gumbel um, before we planted to Brighton. Okay, and uh, had you been to Brighton before? Um, no, my wife's from Brighton. Okay. Um, but no, I was um, brought up in London and um, rather to my shame as um, very London centric. <laughs> and so I hadn't really considered anywhere other than London. <laughs> so if if there's a London listener, they want to know which part of London, I guess. Uh, okay, I was um, brought up in Notting Hill. Okay, yeah. oh, splendid. Yeah. Okay, good stuff. So um, some of the story of the last seven years, if, if you can condense it uh, for us. Yeah, well, we, um, uh, we moved in 2009 and the church had um, been closed. Um, the um, Brighton at that time still does have a, a plethora of, um, sort of Anglican churches with quite small congregations, but the St. Peter's particularly had a, a huge, still does have a huge um, repair bill over a million pounds on it and a very dwindling congregation. And... Uh, there was a huge outcry publicly and around um, because it's sort of known as the unofficial cathedral in Brighton and uh, the Argus, the local newspaper, got involved and you can't close our cathedral. Uh, 6,000 people signed a petition and so that's when the bishop asked HTB whether they might consider doing a church plant. And up to that time HTB hadn't done a church plant outside of London and uh, we went down um, to have a look around I think something got under our skin and I guess that question of you know something which is sort of almost too much of a challenge but you just would love to know whether under God it might be possible mm -hmm. and so we went and um, 30 of us moved um, from London uh, some of them um, with children so there were probably four or five families and one or two other uh, single folk and uh, we started initially just in the hall uh, managed to get some electricity um, in there I mean, it really was closed and there was some water coming through the main right. part of the church oh, and it was sort of boarded up um, and we made a little start sort of where we could and then bit by bit we managed to get a safety net over the falling bits of plaster and fixed up a little bit of My um, word. so it was really um, <laughs> amazing but I think actually that's been and that's still a journey if you go to St Peter's now it's got um, you know quarter of a million pounds worth of scaffolding on the tower I mean it looks like it's a building site yeah I looked on the website and yeah. saw the I wondered what that was to the side. Yeah, yeah so it's, um, it, it's, I think in some ways it's a great visual aid actually for what we're 
doing. Um, I used to think it would be better to go into a place that was all done up, mm. perfect production, carpet down and all that kind of thing. But actually, I think um, it's drawn people who have got that kind of initially very much that kind of wartime spirit, that pioneering spirit. Mm -hmm. They're real kind of roll up your sleeves, and get things done. And that, I think, gave us a real bit of oomph to start with as well. Wonderful. Mm. Um, and well, you mentioned the local community wanted the church not to close, but of course that can be a mixed blessing because people have another agenda for you. Did you find that or were you able to set what you wanted to do? Yeah, I think we've um, always thought that St Peter's would be a really great and is, you know, viewed as a kind of community centre on a large scale for a city. Um, and uh, it seems to me with church, you know, you either sort of think, OK, out of this vast population in Brighton, how many can we persuade to come to our church <laughs> to make us sort of feel that at least we're not the smallest church here? Which is not really much of a vision, I think. Or you think, OK, with however few or however many God gives us, how can we look outwards and, and bless the city? And I think that's really been at our heart from the start. And so the things that we're sort of really interested in are the partnerships and the connections within the city. Um, funnily enough, almost um, more than just the people who come on a Sunday. <laughs> so it seems uh, from some of the things that we've read about that uh, St. Peter's has managed to attract um, a large growing congregation uh, with a high proportion of, of millennials, what you might call millennials. Uh, how's that come about? Do you think there are particular things that you've done, uh, a particular style that you've had that have attracted them? Yeah, we haven't um, deliberately sort of targeted a particular age range. Mm. Uh, and the bishop, when he asked us to plant, said, you know, please could you um, sort of focus around um, youth, young people, uh, students and people who don't go to church. Okay. So I suppose there's something of, of that in our sort of mandate, if you like. Mm. And of course, Brighton is a very young, um, they talk about it being one of the youngest profile cities, yeah. people aged between 18 and 30. And so it's got that demographic anyway. Um, but I, um, what I've noticed about that generation, um, sort of generalisation, isn't it? They're, they're very um, causal. Mm. Um, by which I mean that they don't sort of seem to just want to go to church. They want to kind of make a difference. And what we've noticed, particularly in some of the things around social action mm. that we do or justice things, that that's almost been an apologetic for them. You know, they don't always find it easy to talk about sort of Jesus and to their friends, but they do like talking about, you know, look at what our church does with the homeless or yeah. with the street community. And then they bring their friends to help and be involved with that. Yeah. And then they feel that they're part of the community and they belong. And then that might lead to other things, doing alpha or what have you. So I think that's really interesting. And the other thing, I think, is the very, with that generation, maybe it's any generation, but the particular focus around community. Okay. And I guess that's one of the things I've noticed as a slight difference, actually, from being in central London where we were before. You know, central London was a very sort of frenetic um, kind of place to be, a very programme-driven Okay. I think in Brighton, I sort of found that, you know, if you're rushing around madly, people think you've got a problem, you know, therefore, actually, how do you tap into the sense of community and life and very creative as mm. a place? Mm. Um, and I think something of, uh, of that sort of space in which people can make friends and be community has seems to have touched that sort of millennials generation, especially. Yeah. Less is more. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. And I mean, it's a university town. Or yeah. 
got a huge number. It's got um, Sussex, Sussex and Brighton, Brighton and BIM, which is the Brighton Institute of Modern yeah. Music. And it's a great <coughs> fun. Mm-hmm. Sure, and a re- revamped new ground for Brighton Home Album as well. Exactly. So something yeah, about... Yeah. No, it's really... It, it's fun. And I think um, uh, it, it's, it has that sort of creativity, innovation. Um, it's a stimulating place to be. And I think uh, that's quite fun in a church as well. Um, it's full of expression. Um, and I, I enjoy that. Um, you don't see lots of people walking around going to work in suits. <laughs> and not many of them seem to have. It's interesting with Alpha, because we used to talk about the Alpha course, you know, come week one and sign up for eight or nine weeks. Yeah. That would be a, um, a total turnoff. I okay. Think. <laughs> um, people come to a one-off event and then they might come on to a one-off event again next week. Okay. Um, so wow. we've dropped the Alpha course and it's try Alpha. <laughs> yeah, and, but it's about knowing your, knowing your local context. It's really interesting. Context, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know whether that's sort of Brighton or whether it's that generation. Yeah, and so it's obviously a very diverse um, context as well. And um, you you talk about the excitement of that. Has it also brought some challenge? Um, has it uh, caused any tensions in the work that you're doing? Yeah, I think. Um, one of the kind of good things and also one of the hard things is um, being in a location where around, you know, within 50, 100 yards of a building, there's obvious need. You know, mm. it's, it's very much um, a, a place for where the, where the homeless hang out, mm. uh, where there's a lot of the substance misuse services are, are, are around that area of the church. And I think that actually is a great blessing in many ways for the church because it's so obvious if you come to St. Peter's that the church has a job to do. Yeah. You know, it's sort of needed and there's something you can you can be involved with. Um, it's also um, hard because um, I, I enjoy it. It's, it's, it, it our, our Sundays are very disrupted. We have all sorts of people walking in and, and all that kind of thing. And um, uh, but I think it keeps us sort of honest. Yeah. Um, you know, they, I always remember um, uh, Paul Scanlon, a, a, a life church in Abundant Life in, in, in Bradford, talking about how, you know, his church, you couldn't leave a handbag or any of your possessions um, on their own if you went up for prayer ministry or something. And it would be the same at St. Peter's. And I always, I actually think that's a really quite a good sign um, <laughs> of what the church is like. I guess the other sort of can be discouraging is, it does sometimes seem that it's one step forward with particular individuals who we've been working with in the area of recovery, say, and two steps back. And the same people I see walking the streets now as I did when we arrived seven years ago mm. in the midst of some stunning um, successes. So I suppose it's that kind of mix, really. Mm. So you have uh, safe haven mm. and recovery groups and recovery programmes. Just say a little bit about how that came about um, and, and what's the, been the journey of those projects? I think it was slightly accidental actually or, or God intended. Um, just when we opened um, seven years ago, um, literally in the week that we opened, um, a, um, a body of a 24 year old girl called Mel um, was found on our, on our, literally on our doorstep of the church mm. and um, she died of a heroin overdose. And uh, I was sort of called down as the, the vicar, though I hadn't really started, and the, all, all the emergency services were already there. And I felt completely kind of helpless, mm. um, except that the key workers and her family and her friends on the streets asked whether we could do a little service for her. So about a week later, we did a little Thanksgiving, very, very informal, mm. and then a little lunch 
um, afterwards. And I remember somebody made cupcakes with an M mm. on every one for, for Mel. Mm. And there are 40 people there, but there's sort of 20 from our community um, who just started this mm. church and 20 from the street community and Mel's friends and family. And I think after that, we sat around and thought, you know, are we going to wait until another one dies before we do this again? What, why don't we do something? Mm. Um, and uh, wouldn't it be amazing if that never happened again on our watch? Mm. That that because it's all around there. People were shooting up in all, in all that sort of our area, and so that gave birth to something they called Safe Haven, mm. um, which was and is a, a Saturday night, Saturday evening community meal, and it's not really a soup kitchen. Um, the church community sit down together with the street community. And on any Saturday evening, it's about 90 people from the street community come and about 45 or 50 from the mm. church help. But it's not like serving them from a hatch. Um, we serve like on proper plates and mm. it's, it's, it's all laid out in the church. It's like trestle tables and it's 140, 150 sit down together. Mm. And um, it's amazing and the, the diversity of people who come. They're not all um, homeless on the streets, mm. but they're homeless maybe in hostels or okay. sofa surfing. Mm. And we found that uh, about a third of those were women who came, young women. And so we asked them, particularly Sam, my wife, you know, what, what would be helpful for you? And they said, well, actually, we'd like a safe haven for ourselves that because um, they can feel actually very threatened by some of the men uh, around. So Thursday afternoon, we started a drop-in for them and uh, have a hairstylist who comes in and wash their feet and they have showers and um, do their nails and they do craft. They start a little gospel choir mm -hmm. um, and a very short little reflective service. And about now about 60 women come to that. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the men say, well, we want something. Well, what kind of thing would you like? Well, they prefer to, they said, to sit around and watch movies or read papers or um, so I think it's kind of led to some other other things and then some of the recovery um, programs and particularly helping people back into housing and things um, as a result um, but what I like about it is I suppose um, I don't feel terribly confident on that side of um, my personality okay. um, and I think maybe in churches sometimes you know the real keen beans or the people with a real heart for this can sort of do it um, but what I think this is is it set the bar really low for our church you know what we say is if you can carry a plate from one side of the room to another you're qualified to help mm. it's only an hour mm. um, so it's not like all it's not gonna take up all your Saturday night um, you just come set up do it for an hour go home and that way we've managed to mobilize pretty much the whole church to take a turn some people do it every week but other people do it more like once a month and I encourage everybody you know why not just stick one date between now and Christmas mm. or you know in the next three months in mm. and I think that means that it's really become part of our sort of fabric. Mm. Well you're listening to The Leadership Farm with me Andy Peck I'm joined this week by the Reverend Archie Coates he's the vicar at St Peter's Brighton we'll be back just after this. Welcome back to the Leadership Farm with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Archie Coates, the vicar of St Peter's Brighton. We're looking particularly at mission in the community and uh, Rob Stevens on the pastoral team at Book and Baptist is also in the room. We're uh, kind of quizzing Archie a little bit about the journey from uh, when he came to help to uh, rescue, as it were, to some degree, uh, St Peter's Brighton that was due to be closed some seven years before and some of the things that have been doing and happening since then. So you were talking, um, Archie, about the, the safe haven and recovery groups. I kind of... Uh, cut it on there for the for the ad break. But uh, anything else to add? No, I I love the um, the journey that 
um, we're seeing some mm-hmm. of those folk making yeah. to faith. And um, there's a vulnerability and an honesty um, that I think um, is beautiful. And particularly, or we notice it in our alpha groups, that people who um, very often have come from recovery groups, particularly AA, their networks are really tight. And so their, their, their sponsors, if you like, are saying, why don't you try alpha? And when they come to a group, they're amazing because they um, are so open and vulnerable and honest, it kind of seems to set that it brings everybody else That's out. Indeed, yeah. It's really lovely. Yeah. Sure. So you've, you've seen some significant growth in the size of the congregation over the, the seven years that you've you've been down there. Has has that been people rediscovering faith? Has it been people coming to faith for the first time? Has it been people coming from other church communities to join yours? What, what's the story behind that? I think it's probably all of those, mm. and. Um, Sometimes it's hard to tell exactly how people have um, come. I think um, the majority of the growth has come from people who um, perhaps have done Alpha or had a faith somehow mm. in the past. I don't mean that there's a childhood, but they haven't managed to connect or stay connected in, in a church. Yeah. I, I don't know why that, that is, but it's almost like people coming back to discover their faith Mm. Um, and then we have had um, a really significant number mainly via alpha um, of people who just have no background at all Mm. Um, and their friends um, people tend to bring their friends um, on Sundays um, particularly at the younger kind of end Mm. and I guess you know every Sunday um, we give an opportunity for people to become Christians and there's uh, it's amazing. There's nearly always a few hands. Wow. Um, so I think that's another, been another front door for us. Mm-hmm. But um, so a little bit of transfer growth. But I say the majority of people have, have had some kind of faith, but they can't quite name it. Mm-hmm. And then some, quite a number who have had none. Mm-hmm. So it's quite a discipleship challenge in that. Oh, huge. So, so yeah. Have you got thoughts about how you address that discipleship challenge? Uh, lots of thoughts, but um, <laughs> not really answers. It's a real challenge, and I think it's it's come to the fore with us with the um, with the church planting mm. because. You know, there's no point sending out a, a bunch of project managers who have a very sort of pragmatic approach and very enthusiastic for a project if they're sort of flaky. Mm. And I think that's why um, it, it's something. It's, it's actually more important than anything at the moment for us. Um, what I think is that um, I look out on a Sunday and think, out of all these people, you know, where do I start? You know, grab a Bible, but they they even seem to do that. Some of them, so you it, it can be overwhelming, mm. and so you think, I don't even know if it's you know where to start and therefore with any point starting. But I think what I've learned is you've got to start somewhere and probably with um, a particular small community within the mass Mm. and so we've um, begun um, with our sort of hub leaders Um, never mind the hubs themselves but people in the but actually let's start with the the people who we perceive could lead some people and then also at the younger end we have a leadership development year like an internship program and I think that's encouraged me because I feel that um, uh, whereas I was a bit overwhelmed where I thought how do we take any of these forward actually now I feel like we really are working with say 30 or 40 and that's a a start Um, and I think for us um, one of the things I've noticed uh, and been sort of disappointed about actually is 
um, even some of the people who've done an internship program with us, when they've subsequently moved and, and gone on somewhere else, um, they their faith has sort of really stagnated or, or even fallen away. Mm. And I've realised that there's a danger of attaching people to uh, like a project or to a, the buzz of a kind of a community mm. um, and how one actually makes sure they're grounded in Jesus mm. and that rather than the buzz of St. Peter's Brighton, if you know what mm. I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You've planted um, two, three churches? Yeah, three. Yeah. yeah, three churches. In different ways, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in in just a really short space of time since St. Peter's started itself, that must have been a, a roller coaster ride, but exciting as well. Yeah, I think actually the most exciting thing about St. Peter's is probably what's happening in Hastings or <laughs> Portsmouth now, okay. rather than Brighton. <laughs> um, yeah, I do. I think because it's it was part of our DNA. We we ourselves were planted. Mm. Um, I think that's sort of always been in us. And interestingly, I've I've found that it's um, in each place we've done about a group of about twenty five or thirty. So it's not it's not a vast number, mm. but I think um, of those twenty five. Um, trying to find the, I was going to say the right, but but the ones who can carry something in terms of either their gifting or anointing or their experience. Mm. If you can get that, actually, you can plant quite effectively, I think, without a vast number of people, uh, depending on um, the location where you're going. So we've done a council estate within Brighton, mm. and then a town centre. Um, in Hastings, and then most recently, just this uh, a couple of months ago, into Portsmouth, um, so a, a city, and they're all um, uh, slightly different, uh, very different actually, but I think they carry the same sort of values and flavour. Mm. What what might that be? What's that DNA that they're carrying? Do you think what are those values that they're carrying? I think primarily uh, to do with mission mm. and being outward focused. In other words, how can we bless the place that we're in? rather than fill up our church. Mm. I think if it's got that focus, then I think God brings people to fill up the church. But if you, I think it's that for us um, has been important. And so we seem to have landed well where there's been a clear, sort of, again, social action actually, job mm. to do. We seem to be um, landing well where there's a, um, you know, where if there's an issue of homelessness or something like that, the town centres work well for us. Mm. I think um, I think it would be called sort of the incar incarnational sort of model, yeah. um, and finding out, you know, what does this community need and and how can we help? How can we be a blessing? And uh, so I think that's part of it. Um, I think uh, I was going to say um, an, an informality. But I think what I mean is a kind of come as you are. Mm. Um, you know, we, we welcome anybody. And the bar's pretty low in terms of coming through the front door. Okay, um, yeah. The danger with that is that the, the back door's quite open as well. But I, yeah. I like that. You know, I like the feeling that you, you can be as you are. Mm. Um, and also, I think um, a third strand for us is, is everybody being involved. I think that's, um, you know, I think um, maybe going back a while there was a slight sense with church um, perhaps when I was growing up that you know you came in and you kind of had to slightly prove yourself you know mm. just just come and be for six months and then we might let you read the lesson or something I, I don't think we've either got the luxury of that time now but also um, you know my dream is someone comes in gets really well welcomed and then next 
Sunday you see them with a lanyard welcoming someone else. Mm. And you know, how do you move people right from the fringe to the heart as quickly as possible? Because I think when you do that, they ask different questions. Mm. On, on the fringe, people tend to ask, you know, do I like this? Is this working for me? Is it, you know, is it meeting my needs? But when you're at the heart of something, it becomes, you know, how can we do this and what can we? And it, um, I think that if you can move people from the fringe to the core mm. as fast as possible in <laughs> some way, I think mm. that's really helped us. Sadly, we've got just uh, about a minute or so left, uh, Archie, but uh, particularly books or resources that have helped you? <laughs> um, I listen to some leadership co podcasts mm -hmm. I find really helpful. Oh, yeah. I like um, Craig Grishel's. Oh, yes. Is, uh, I found really helpful. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Um, I like um, some of the ones. Uh, there's a guy um, called Carrie Newhoff who does yes. one. Yes, I know. Canadian. And um, one which isn't actually a Christian, but also on leadership, which is um, Entree Leadership. Okay. Um, books... Um, well, I've, had, I've read over the summer and found hugely helpful uh, Grit by Angela Duckworth. She's okay. an American um, psychiatrist, psychologist. And um, I like Samuel Chan's um, books. He's done one on leadership pain mm -hmm. and uh, one I'm just reading at the moment called The Culture Code. Right. And um, Brené Brown. Um, oh, yes. And I think probably, yeah, all and vulnerability. And I love her phrase, um, you know, do you think the person that you're talking to or that you're leading, do you think that they're essentially they're doing the best job they can? Yeah, you know, why don't you look at people with that lens? Yeah, and yeah. It's, I found that really helpful mm. rather than sort of thinking, oh, they could do better. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got a lot. Um, I love, I'm sorry, Pete Scazzaro, oh, yes. the emotionally healthy yeah. sure. leadership stuff really have been, but I kind of, um, I read a lot, but I need to kind of work it through a bit more. Understood. Yeah. Anyways, thank you so much for, for pleasure. sharing and uh, exciting to hear how things are developed under God at St. Peter's Brighton. Thanks too to Rob for his questions and for the input. Uh, do uh, log on to Premier's own website and uh, listen to the leadership file. Uh, I'm planning a show that looks at how we as leaders might tackle issues that are barriers to faith. My guest will be Ruth Jackson, who once worked with Ravi Zacharias Ministries. So um, rather than suggest areas myself, I'd like you to email me your suggestions of areas you'd like her to answer. So what kind of questions do you find toughest when chatting with colleagues, friends and family who are not yet believers? Email me apec at cwr.org.uk and the programme will be aired early 2017. I look forward to your company again next Sunday at 3.30. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premier. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's Word to everyday life. Contact him via email apec at cwr.org.uk.